Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, April 21st, 2021. I am Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. Uh, as you all are hearing this, we are just a few, I mean, an hour, hour and a half after we heard the verdict come down in the Derek Chauvin case in Minnesota. And I I don't presume to speak for anybody, but, but Grace, I feel like uh, you and I are on the same page with this, that while we are incredibly glad that this was the verdict that was handed down, as it would have been a, a much different situation in world if the alternative happened, this does not necessarily bring me any joy. It does not bring me any happiness. This is something, this is accountability. Um, and unfortunately, it is just the beginning um, of a long road to real, true, actual justice uh, until the day in which this is never acceptable for mm. um, police to murder innocent black people or really to murder anybody, innocent or not. Um, it, that's the fight yeah. that we're on. And and the verdict in Minnesota is comforting to know that we are not going to have days upon days of protests and and potentially worse that could lead to more people being killed. Um, but it is not a conclusion to anything. It is just the beginning of a much bigger and more important fight that unfortunately is going to have to continue to go on, but hopefully will someday in the future, sooner yeah. rather than later, um, will eventually end. Yeah, we're, we're very glad to hear this verdict, but we know that the work isn't over. And so... There we go. That's how we're we're starting today. As yes. always, make sure that you're on our uh, Patreon for Broadway Radio, patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. And now we're going to get into some actors equity news because that's uh, <laughs> what we've been yeah. also dealing with here at Broadway Radio. So we've been talking about accountability from actors equity and the March on Broadway that's scheduled for later this week um, on the show, I guess, like all for the past like two weeks, I would say, um, of the demands outlined by the group um, is a full list of organizations that AEA is working with to help Black, Indigenous, and people of color feel safer. In addition to a full report of how the 2020 equity dues were spent, which was on the list of um, expectations for the March on Broadway. Mm -hmm. That we talked about yesterday. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it's very interesting for us to have a literal follow-up <laughs> to what we talked about yesterday. And so quickly, um, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, but, but also like, They've had time to figure out how they're dealing with this because of all the conversations we've been having with like Broadway Advocacy Coalition. Um, and so I was I was excited to read this. Um, Actors Equity Association is committed to working collaboratively with the industry to create a landscape that is just, inclusive and anti-racist. To that end, we've partnered with grassroots organizations and consultants who specialize in understanding and uplifting people of marginalized people with strategies that are tailored to the unique circumstances of a theater workplace. Below is a non-exhaustive list of several of the organizations with whom we have worked with in the last year. Among them, at least six organizations are led by people of color, seven are led by women, one is led by a trans person, and one is led by a person with disabilities. If there is a group that you think Actors Equity should team up with or an organization that would like to include a representative from Equity in an event or conference lineup, they've invited you to email diversity at actorsequity.org. And they also welcome the opportunity to explore new relationships and the diversity department staff is willing to help. So this does seem more concrete than we've gotten in the past. Um, it does kind of answer some of the expectations that were outlined in the list that we talked about yesterday. Uh, Matt, do you think that this is enough for now? Will it change the events and demands for the march? I mean, what what are, what are your thoughts when you saw this? I mean, is it enough for now? Um, yeah. 
it's I don't know what enough means. I think this is yeah. fine. Like, I think that the fact that they're doing this and, you know, we've been coming down pretty hard on equity for a while now. And the thing is, what I don't want people to think um, as we do that is that I don't think that equity has any malice in what it's doing. I don't think that equity is purposely going out and trying to sabotage anything for its members. I truly believe I know people who work at equity. I've been on a tour of the equity office. Like I know that those are good people who want the best. I think like many organizations that sometimes they don't see the forest through the trees and they get so busy focusing on the minutia of what they are working on that they kind of lose track of their overall job um, and and might even lose touch with the members that they're supposed to be representing. So I'm glad that they not only were able to put out this list, but had it so readily available that they could turn it around in less than a day. So that's good that I believe this list. I do not. Um, I do not think that this is just blowing smoke for blowing smoke's sake. That said, will it change the events and the demands of the march? I doubt it. Like the the demands are so much more important than just give us a list of who you're working with. And the fact yeah. that they the fact that members had to ask for this list yeah. and ask for the information about what the dues were going to yeah. l- goes to a bigger problem that I was talking about with not seeing the forest through the trees and communicating with the people that you represent is a hugely important part of any organization, whether that's mm-hmm. a business um, or a, a club or especially um, a union. So I, I think that this is good. This is fine. I genuinely believe that the vast majority of people who um, are either employees or elected representatives in equity are good people trying to to do the best for the community. But they've got to do better, and they've got to they've got to listen a little bit more and and make things better for the people that they are supposed to be working for. That's right. And it's all about transparency with any of these things. So I'm glad that there seems to be more of that. Um, But I think it does, you know, it's, it's also just as, you know, helpful as the list was in itself of saying like, okay, we want the receipts. Here's a receipt, you know? So I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of this. And also again, like what's going to happen on Thursday. I don't know, but we are looking forward to seeing how it all unfolds. All right, Grace, let's take a moment real quick to talk about our sponsor for the week, Upstart. When it comes to paying off debt, as we all know, that is a very, very difficult hill to climb. You look at your bill every month in your statement and you think, how the hell am I going to be able to pay all of these different fees off? I don't blame you for getting scared and nervous about that. But with Upstart, you can lift that weight off of your shoulders so that you can finally feel the relief of being free of credit card debt. Yeah, and Upstart is like a really fast and easy way to pay off debt with a personal loan, and it's all online, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses. Over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple and fixed monthly payment. Also, the pandemic has really changed all of our lives, so if this has been something that you've never had to deal with before, uh, but last year kind of kicked you in the ass, you know what I mean? Like, this is the right route for you. So unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score, thank goodness. Uh, like your income, your employment history, all that good stuff. This means they offer smarter rates with trusted partners. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. And you can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash broadway. That's upstart.com slash broadway. 
And don't forget to use our URL to let them know uh, that we sent you. <laughs> loan amounts uh, will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash Broadway. All right, so let's talk about contracts. That sounds like fun, right, Matt? <laughs> oh, so uh, much. <laughs> so as producers begin to formulate where, how, and when they are returning to theaters across the country, one of the ideas that's being thrown around is instead of doing eight performances a week, doing four performances a week for a while as things get started and then prorating everything. That was a suggestion from the general manager of the musical for, uh, Come From Away and the upcoming dot, 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 music man. Um, I've been hearing stirrings <laughs> of people, like me personally, I've been hearing stirrings of people's uh, meetings about contracts and those staying on the same show and but a lot of these contracts will stay the same, quote unquote. And then, like you said earlier, like prorating and just doing less performances uh, as we begin to return, because a lot of these people are having to figure out like how they're sanitizing, how they're, you know, doing yeah. their laundry differently. I mean, it's it's so it's so much bigger than we're going back to Broadway and we're going back to theater. Uh, in November, Broadway League President uh, Charlotte St. Martin said that there have been conversations with unions about what the contracts might look like, what might be changed for Broadway to restart. Most producers expect the industry to return gradually. That's what we're expecting as well, with established hits among the first to resume AKA the Phantom um, oh, or like Wicked, you know what I mean? Like the hits, yeah. come on, the hits. Um, Hamilton, Wicked, Lion King, stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, I, I mean, I know that this is going to be a kick in the pants no matter what to artists, but um, as long as we can get back and it, it's a safe and healthy way, I think we're all willing to make it work. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any problem with with this. I mean, I, I would not want this to go from like, doing eight shows a week is the norm to like doing five shows a week is the norm. I don't think that would be good. I don't think that would be fair for the artists uh, because then their pay would be cut by however many performances they lost. And then it gets to the point where even on Broadway, um, it might be cost prohibitive to actually live in New York and be in a Broadway show, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, so as long yeah. as this is just a step in returning, um, I'm fine with this. Figure it out. Figure out what needs to change. I'm totally fine with that. It is going to be a learning process. It is going to be one of those things where you've got to just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. And I'm, I'm OK with that at first. If some producers want to figure out a way how to increase demand by doing a six show week ad infinitum, like I think that's a problem. And that's just another opportunity for the Broadway League to try to pinch pennies. Um, as much as possible. And I would not support that. But if this is just like, hey, from September to, you know, Thanksgiving, we're just going to do five, six shows a week, then we're going to go to eight. And then we'll be back to normal after we get the process figured out. Like, I'm fine with that. Like, I don't I don't really have any problem with that. Yeah, I just want to make sure that these people are not getting fucked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's really all it is. <laughs> Did you see Mank? No, the who is this? Is that a David Fincher Gary Oldman. Movie? Yeah. Uh, I really need you to watch it because there's one scene Ugh. where Louis B. Mayer um, steps up and does this big speech to actors. Um, they were like, you know, we're going to have to we're going to have to really buckle down and, and make some cuts because of the war. And all the artists go, yeah, like we're, we're going to do our part. We'll, we'll take the cut, whatever it is like. You know, our country's hurting. And then he steps off the stage and he goes, how'd I do to the producers? Um, yeah. And so this is what I don't want to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's just, 
Yeah, exactly. So there we go. Uh, Producer Scott Rudin, I'm sorry to say that, will step back, yay, um, from his film and streaming projects in addition to his Broadway productions in the wake of allegations about his abusive workplace behavior. Uh, Rudin, whose upcoming films include Netflix's The Woman in the Window and A24's The Humans, said he will take the time to work on personal issues that he has been overlooking for a very long time. He said that when he commented over the weekend, I was focused on Broadway reopening successfully and not wanting any previous behavior to detract from everyone's efforts to return. It's clear to me I should take the same path in film and streaming. I am profoundly sorry for the pain my behavior has caused, and I take this step with a commitment to grow and change. This is also after a full weekend of Twitter being like, he's still going to make money on films. Like, (laughs) So I'm not really sure what stepping back will actually mean if Rudin will profit from the projects he's signed on to and if he will continue to be credited as a producer at all. I personally don't know a single artist who wants their name attached to this, but that's... That's just like, that's that's all I know. Uh, but of course, you know, I wonder about To Kill a Mockingbird and West Side Story, if the people are, you know, willing to go back with his name attached. Um, these people want jobs, uh, unfortunately, exactly. and they're not aiding and abetting his behavior, but also like they've worked very hard for this. So it, it's really complicated. Yeah. And I'm just happy that he's stepping back from film, I guess, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, Ashley and I talked about this after the Broadway announcement on Monday's mm-hmm. show. And like, you just can't separate a producer from works that they bought the rights to or helped to develop. And we were talking about that in relation to his three current Broadway shows that were running at the time of shutdown. You mentioned To Kill a Mockingbird and West Side Story and also um, The Book of Mormon. Um, And also the shows that he's got coming, both um, Music Man and the Lehman trilogy that he's the lead producer on. Like, he's done the work on those, so you can't X him out. Maybe the Lehman trilogy, because he wasn't involved in the development of that. He's just, like, the U.S. (laughs) producer. Um, But, like, he owns that so he's gonna make money off of it and and you know him stepping back i'm you know i'm not super upset about him making money off of these things because that's not the point i mean i I would prefer that he didn't of course but like the point is his behavior and if him stepping back legitimately means that he is not going to be in a situation to abuse anybody then i think that's good I just don't believe that that's actually going to be the case. I think by active participation, I think that means that he's just going to mm-hmm. be in his office more and not meeting with other people. And so he's probably yeah. going to have more time to abuse his his assistants. But that's um, the thing. Yeah, it's like the people that worked with him are now going to be taking over. And those right. people, let's face it, probably um, also suffer from this work environment, if not perpetuated it. So I yeah. don't know. And, and I just want the best for uh, all of the people that are involved in his shows to continue to make art, but not be attached to him. So yeah. there we go. That would be nice. Um, yeah. So blindness was one of the first performing arts events to reopen in New York City. Uh, We talked about it, I guess, like what, like two months ago now? Wow, wow, time is flying. And um, a new schedule of performances has been added to the show at the Daryl Roth Theater. Blindness will increase the number of performances per day from two showings to a maximum of five. They're still going to be sanitizing. They're still going to be doing all the procedures they need to do, but it's selling well, which is exciting. So, yeah, more performances. Go see it if you're in New York. All right. So next we have. Okay, I'm what I'm about to say just quickly is the word immersive and I don't like that word. It makes me cringe. I can't get over it. I know I'm stupid. But Immersive Everywhere's immersive production of The Great Gatsby created and directed by Alexander Wright will make its American debut this fall in New York City. The Great Gatsby is the UK's longest running immersive production and has become an international phenomenon with productions in London, Ireland, South Korea and Belgium. In New York City, you could just go to the Jazz Age lawn party twice a year, but you could also do this, I guess. Do we have 
date as to when this is going to actually be happening. I think they said like dates and location to be announced. To be is announced. that right? And cast. Yeah. And so cast. it's just fall of this year. Like, look, I <laughs> I am a former high school English teacher. I taught The Great Gatsby. I taught American Lit. I talk, taught Great Gatsby and Catcher in the Rye. Not my choices because I cannot stand Catcher in the Rye. Um, but Great Gatsby's fine. Like, I don't have any, I, I don't love The Great Gatsby book, but like, I feel like this would be a cool thing to go to. Like, I think this would be, a, if you're going to do an immersive thing, I'm down with that. Like, I think this would be cool. This would be this would be a, a feast for all of the senses. Exciting. Um, NAATCO will present a virtual reading of Our Town by Thornton Wilder uh, with an all Asian American cast for one night only Wednesday, May 19th at 8 p.m. in celebration of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. The proceeds of this reading will benefit the company. I am very excited. Was upset that I was not called for Emily. Seriously. I'm not going to hold that against them. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just like, okay, cool let's go i would much rather see this than the um dustin hoffman one that presented by scott rudin that was supposed to come that can't happen that just can't happen <laughs> ah, but it might Ugh. it might okay grace before we end this show i just got a press release from broadway radio's favorite tony nominated producer oliver henry roth um he is announcing Today, a production um, in association with Soho Theater, a transatlantic production of Herding Cats by Lucinda Coxon. It combines in-person and streamed theater uh, to create a first-of-its-kind transcontinental live event, marking a new type of international collaboration. The production is simultaneously accessible online to audiences across the globe via Stellar and in-person in London at the Soho Theater. It'll be running May 20th through the 23rd um, of this year. For the production, it'll feature two actors performing um, for an in-person audience in, in London with a third actor performing live via Zoom or whatever in the United States. It's directed by Anthony Banks, and it is described as a chillingly funny play that lays bare the perils of negotiating intimacy and independence in the 21st century. And that's why you should be on our Patreon. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. All right. So finally, baseball is back, baby. And I don't know if any of our listeners give a shit, but I certainly do, because baseball means that it's time for your favorite Broadway performers to have a sundown gig and sing a song. And so we've included Joshua Henry singing the national anthem for the Mets opening weekend. We don't talk about the Yankees here. And uh, I, I was just super pumped. I, it just makes me feel all the things whenever I see like a Broadway performer doing the national anthem at a Mets game. Yeah, uh, I think Jessica Vosk did it the week before yeah. or something. Um, I think actually I think they might have done it the same weekend because I think she actually did opening night oh, um, yeah. and then Joshua did maybe another day that weekend. But I don't think that the national anthem needs to be sung before sporting events. But um, if it is, yeah. I will take I will I will take that just for the voices uh, of Josh and Jessica. Thank you so much for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. Don't forget about our Patreon for Broadway Radio for lots of exclusive goodies, patreon.com slash broadwayradio. You can find me all of the time, probably talking about Ted Lasso, on Twitter and Instagram at It's Grace Aki. Matt, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at BWW Matt. And I got a notification today that you liked a tweet of mine that I sent to you about Ted Lasso like a month and a half ago. So thank you for going <laughs> back into your feed to like a tweet six weeks after I sent it. I just that all the people that commented about me watching Ted Lasso, I had not taken the time to say thank you for the acknowledgement. I'm so excited. The the new trailer came out today. So there you go. Please, please watch it. It's the happiest thing I've ever seen ever. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>